there, it's Amy. Welcome to Chirpcast. Encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Several years ago, I read an old story about a grandfather who was walking through his backyard, and as he came around the corner, he saw his young granddaughter with her hands folded, and she was reciting the alphabet rather reverently, and he asked her, what are you doing? Well, here's her reply. She said, I'm praying, but I don't know the words. So I'm saying all the letters, and I think God will know what words to put together. Have you been there? Do you have days, or have you had weeks, or months, where you just don't have the words, but you have the hurt, the heartache, and the heaviness? I've been there myself. Several years ago, probably about a decade at least, um, I experienced something that I wouldn't wish on anyone depression. It was like I was sitting in a dark room without any way to escape, and it was so claustrophobic in my own mind. I felt like there was no way out, and honestly, I didn't know when it was going to end. It was like worse than 2020. It took forever and ever, and it was honestly, it was textbook. Um, I still smiled. People would ask, hey, how you doing? And I was like, hey, I'm good. I'm okay. I still went to work, but I slept as much as I could. I didn't really confide in anyone, though, because I just kept thinking, I must be broken, honestly, right? Like, Christians should not get depressed. The Bible talks about we have the hope of glory, and I'm, like, over here sad about stupid things that I can't explain. I didn't understand (laughs) that I was still human, I might be a Christian, but I'm still human and I still live on this planet and I still have life to deal with. And I hated that. I hated that I couldn't just, you know, be like, the joy of the Lord is my strength and quote a scripture and it would just turn me around. There were days, weeks, months that I felt honestly like I was walking through a fog. I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to escape it. And Looking back now, I see how backwards my thinking was on this, that I didn't talk to anybody. My husband knew that I was dealing with this, but he didn't know necessarily how to help me through it. He tried his best, but I just kept thinking, you know, like I was in denial, I guess, about it. I just was, I didn't want to think about it. I just was, I would cry in the car when I drove to work and I would be angry with myself because I like to be in control (laughs) of my emotions, of everything. I want to be in control of the way that I respond. And I didn't know how to respond to this. I didn't know how to get out of this, how to clear the fog and walk back into the sun. I didn't know how to do that. So today, I just thought that I'd like to share a few things that I learned through this process. And I say this as someone who has come out on the other side. I can tell you, I do not deal with depression anymore. Thank you, Jesus. It is something that I do not have to battle every day. In fact, it's been quite some time since I've had those same ugly, horrible thoughts that I had then to deal with now. I don't. And honestly, I feel like some of the things that I'm going to share with you today really helped me, and I hope they help you too. So there are three things, and I want to call them the do's of depression. And the first thing is, I think we should do some soul searching. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man comes 
and causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So what I think of when I read the scripture is the first word that jumps out, of course, to me is anxiety. And I think anxiety is a symptom of a deeper condition. So when we do soul searching, which for some, it's maybe a walk in the park. For others, it might be like diving off a cliff into very black ocean waves. You know it's going to suck you in and it's probably not going to be pleasant. But soul searching is one of those things that you can call it soul searching. For me, when I think of soul searching, I remember the prayer in the Bible where David says, search my heart, O God. I want God to look at my heart. I want to know what is it that I'm not dealing with? Is it a relational issue that I just don't want to face or fix? Is it a personal demon or something from the past maybe that kind of hangs over my head and I'm feeling shameful about it and I don't know how to deal with it? But when we do soul searching, we're basically asking God as Christians, God bring to the surface what the root of the problem is. I know that there are this this topic I know can be so controversial because I'm going to be honest with you, I have recorded this portion of my podcast at least 10 times now because I just want to get it right. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to make light of this. It's not like, you know, stubbing your toe and you get over it in 30 seconds. Depression is something that is debilitating for a lot of people. And it was for me as well. It was something I just kind of kept stuffing down because I didn't want to deal with it. I had some relational issues that I was absolutely not dealing with and pretending like they didn't exist. And then when they would come to the surface, I would blow up and then stuff them back down again. Not fun. (laughs) Not fun for anybody at all. And so soul searching, God really had to bring stuff to the surface for me to deal with. And I had to deal with those things. You know, for some, maybe it's an addiction that keeps coming up and you're like, I'm just going to deal with it tomorrow. Well, don't you want to be better now? Don't you want to be healed now? Why wait? The second thing is do something for someone else. Stuck in self is a very lonely place. And Matthew makes it very clear in Jesus's words that We're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds. And the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor, to love outside of ourself. You know, whenever we're stuck in this lonely place of depression, I think for me, the worst thing is to isolate. When I felt like I was at my darkest, I just wanted to crawl in a hole. I didn't want to deal with people. I didn't want them asking questions like, how are you doing? You know, those deep personal questions like that. I didn't want to get outside of me because sometimes it feels good to have a pity party, right? It feels good to be like, nobody loves me. Well, you know what? When you hide in your bedroom all day long, it's really difficult for people to love you if they don't even live in the same house with you. You know, people don't know that you're struggling. And if you refuse to get outside of yourself, they're never going to know that because newsflash, it's not everybody's job to check on you all the time. And that might sound super harsh, (laughs) but I needed to hear those words when I was going through that. I needed somebody to look me in the face and say, that's enough of the self-pity that you are wallowing in. 
That was my issue. Maybe that's not yours, but that was definitely something I did. I find whenever I get outside of myself, maybe, you know, calling a friend just to chat and see how they're doing. Check up on them, you know, worry about somebody else for a change. Bake cookies for your actual neighbor. That's a nice thing. If I'm your neighbor, you can bake me cookies. I will gladly accept your homemade cookies. Um, How about texting funny memes to your friends? I have a small group of girlfriends that we text each other periodically throughout the week. Sometimes it's nothing more than just a silly dog meme. You know, things that we laugh about, you know, we just kind of are checking in. Hey, we miss each other. We love you. You know, just keeping contact with them makes me feel so good to be outside of my little tiny world. Getting out of our own head, that's the point. To just step back for a minute. It doesn't mean that baking your neighbor cookies is going to fix your depression because goodness sakes, if that was the case, then Martha Stewart should be the happiest woman on the planet, right? No, it just means that it's taking a step away from where you are and you give yourself permission to not worry and to give yourself a little bit of perspective. You know, enjoy the moment with a loved one because when other people are around you and if you're the one who is constantly fighting this depression, it's very difficult for your family as well. And I know that that sounds maybe, again, a little bit harsh and straightforward, but everybody else has to deal with it too. You know, it doesn't matter how much I smiled. It doesn't matter how many times I would say that I was fine my husband living in the same house with me could feel it. And it was like I was walking around with this rain cloud over my head and I hated it. But again, for me, it was because there were issues that were so deep seated that I didn't want to deal with. I just stuffed them down in. So the third thing is do something for yourself. Take a walk. For me, being outside for even five or 10 minutes can really lift my mood. If you are a gardener, if you like plants, you like to go outside and just be in the sunshine for a little bit, you know, get a little bit of vitamin D, that will help you so much. You know, God didn't create all this beauty for us to be around so that we could stare at our walls in our house. It's nice to be able to get out and to do something outside. Another thing that I like to do is turn up the volume. I am all about music. I love music. I'm on our worship team at church. I just love music. There's something about it that can just change your mood in a second. There is a song actually called Happy by Pharrell. And I love that song because as soon as I turn it on, it's one of those songs that kind of makes you want to sort of, you know, dance around the kitchen and, you know, you get a little bit hyped up. And sometimes you have to have a little bit of a mood booster Music for me, that's it. Hands down, it's music. Another thing is eat something. If you are a mom and you deal with depression, God bless you because that is so hard. I get it. My daughter was a little one when I dealt with this. And, you know, kids want your attention. Look, mom, look, mom, look, mom. And then they, you know, do something silly and they just want your attention constantly. But being able to stop and eat something, (laughs) that's fantastic. I live to take care of my family. I love taking care of my husband and my daughter. I like making sure our house is clean. Yes, I'm even one of those really weird people that doesn't mind laundry. Like, I literally this morning was ironing shirts. 
Like, I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine. Maybe you're like super weirdo and you just turned off Chirpcast because you're like, this girl is insane. Well, doing stuff for other people is great, but sometimes you have to stop and take a minute for yourself. Like I said, take a walk, turn up your favorite music, eat something. Another thing that I had to really learn to do was replace negative thoughts with truth. This can be so hard because I will tell you, my mind can run a marathon on negative thoughts. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up to this person. I don't have this put together. I I get onto myself about not having things just put on the calendar and my life doesn't just match up to somebody else's expectations maybe. And I can just go on and on and on about the things, you know, I should exercise more. I should have only had two cookies, not seven, you know, like there's a million things that I can get down on myself about. And maybe that's you. Maybe your negative self-talk drives you straight into the ground. You feel like you just can't do anything right. And maybe you've had people who have spoken that into your heart and your life for years. They said maybe you weren't enough or you didn't do good enough or, you know, you were never going to amount to anything. And so that negative talk exacerbates the situation in depression because it's almost like the devil knows these are your hot buttons and he's going to keep pouring all of those ugly words back into you tenfold. So you have to replace the negative thoughts with truth. Psalm 42 5 says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. You know, the internal distress is not easily escaped. I mean, after all, we can't get away from ourselves, right? (laughs) Like my dad would say, wherever you are, that's where you are. You just can sometimes get lost in the maze of your mind. And we don't know how to get out. We don't always have the map that shows us exit this way. It's believed that um, actually David wrote that Psalm 42.5. He wrote those words while he was in the middle of an incredibly stressful uh, relational issue. Often I forget that the, quote, heroes of faith, they're just like us, right? They were living out their lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs. And I got to tell you, the beauty of handing our lives over to God, just like that little girl saying just the letters of the alphabet, you know, When we give our hearts to God, he spells out beautiful words like grace and healing and hope. Even in the darkest times of life, he will always walk us through it. I hope that you are reassured today in knowing that you are not alone. You are seen right where you are by a loving God who cares for you. Thanks for joining me today. If you were encouraged, I would love for you to share ChirpCast with a friend or a family member you think would really get something out of this. You know, if you just can't get enough of the inspiration and perhaps a little of the sarcasm, um, you can follow me on Instagram at ChirpCastAmy. I cannot wait to share more time with you later. But that's all for now, and I'll catch you next time.